Welcome to Stories After Midnight. We'll be reading a story today called When I was 13 years old, I solved mysteries with my friends. Case 11, The Disappearance and Subsequent Brainwashing of Eris Kane. It's part of a series that is being tentatively known as The Strings Murders. It's by Trashtia, so I really hope you enjoy it. And before we begin, just the hugest of shoutouts to my patrons for helping make this video possible and every video hereafter. Let's get started. Middleview, the town I grew up in, is not real. Neither were the first 15 years of my life as a teen detective. I know what Middleview is, and the people behind it. I know who murdered my friends, and to an extent, I know who I am. So now, I'm asking one more simple question. I still have so many, and those will be answered in due course. The third passenger in my mother's car, the identity of the person she saved along with me, cutting them from their strings, not to mention the truth behind Middleview's puppeteer. But one question still remains, haunting the back of my mind since I started to take notice of my own delusions, figments of my imagination carved into my friends' faces. I imagined them because I didn't want to come to terms with the reality of who and what I discovered the night I found them again. The mayor's son, Noah Presley, no longer existed as a human being, a thing made up of patchwork skin and muscle and bone molded into a puppet. Eris Kane's head was completely hollowed out, his spine twisted and modeled into a stand for his puppeteer. May Lee's lips had been split apart, a permanent grin jerking left to right with her strings. But even as my imaginary friends, something is far too real about them. Through fragments inside my memory, I saw older versions of them, I saw them inside the facility when I was hopped up on wacky gas, and then again, deep inside the memories my mother had attempted to wipe away. So I ask myself this, who exactly are the Middleview Four, really? Presently, my mind is being tugged left and right, like I was still stuck on strings. Ever since Dr. Delaney dived inside my skull to find the identity of the kid my mother saved, my mind was no longer part of me. Instead, what felt like a detached videotape stuck in rewind. My memories were not in chronological order, instead a non-linear mess. They hit me when they wanted to hit me. So it was less like going down memory lane, and more like being forcibly drowned inside my own mind, plunged into the darkness, memories that had been suppressed and wiped away. It's like throwing up, completely out of my control. This particular memory was like poison being poured inside my brain, but I couldn't keep a grip on reality. Instead, I was plunging deeper. My memories were like waves crashing onto a seafront. One comes in while the others are thrown back, and I couldn't stop it, fighting it like a virus striking through my blood. I was clinging onto the real world, which was fading fast, my vision blurring. I held onto where I was. I was inside my mom's office, the sun was bleeding away into early twilight, and I was desperately holding on to every streak of light filtering through the curtains. I was aware I was still hallucinating Noah Presley, but even he was blurring in and out of view. Noah did not make sense. The more I was getting to know this version of him, this snapshot I had imagined into existence, I was slowly coming to realize it wasn't just his memory of him that didn't make sense. I didn't know his past self either. I didn't know the reason behind him seemingly getting older, despite dying at 15. 
drenched in shadows that were threatening to engulf him completely. The mayor's son was standing in front of me, arms folded, head inclined. He felt right, comfortable, like he was my home. Noah was still stepping on my toes, just like he did when we were kids, rocking back and forth on his heels. Marin? Noah's features were slowly bleeding away, reddish dark hair becoming inky nothing, those last fragments of him fading into shadows dancing around the room. His sing-song voice sounded real, drifting in and out of my ears like a whisper in the wind, but as reality and memory began to blur, his voice was growing louder, a muffled yell plunging me inside a memory. I existed in two places at once, reality standing in my mom's office, and middle view tied back to back with the mayor's son. Marin, oh hell, wake up, where are we? It was pitch dark and my head was hurting. Concussion? No, but I had definitely hit my head. I could feel a news of warmth, blood, trickling down my temple. My wrists were expertly bound together and tangled with Noah's. There was something sticky over my mouth, duct tape. I was used to being kidnapped, so being gagged wasn't usually a problem for me. I just licked the inside until it was pasty enough to spit out. When we were kids, the people we hunted down were more tame and cartoon-like. Eris called them Scooby-Doo villains. They were cat burglars and vegetable thieves. But the older we got, the more dangerous these people became. We started to come face to face with crime bosses and child killers. By the age of 13, I was aware I wasn't invincible, and Middleview's psychos would kill us if they had the chance. However, what I wasn't counting on was being betrayed by one of our own. I'm going to kill him. Noah was our usual damsel in distress, the Middleview 4 member who was always getting himself knocked out and dragged to second locations, despite being the brawn in our group. He had even mastered the ability to speak through a gag. According to him, it just took practice, and being tied up for long periods of time with nothing to do but scream into the masses of tapes slapped over his mouth had been the perfect opportunity. In this case, he was screaming, struggling violently in his chair. I wouldn't call it communicating. I was still trying to figure out where we were. It looked like an old barn. Tipping my head back, I could see a half-crescent moon drowned in eerie white light poking through a hole in the roof. With another yelp, Noah almost sent the two of us toppling over when he violently threw himself forwards. I could understand why he was so upset, but he was going to attract attention. Twisting in my chair, the barn was empty, for now. If Noah kept muffles screaming and rocking back and forth in his chair, that would change. Noah... I spoke calmly through the uncomfortable stickiness over my mouth, grasping for his clammy hands. He's dead! The mayor's son muffle wailed, throwing his head into mine. The impact was painful, but I don't even think he felt it. I had to push down the overwhelming urge to slam my skull into his in retaliation. How could he do this to us? Noah's voice choked into a sob. I always knew there was something shady about him joining us, and I even questioned it when we were kids. Yet somehow I was the crazy one for suggesting the weird British kid who inserted himself into our gang was going to betray us. Except that's not what you said, I hit back. You didn't like him because you wanted to be the only boy in the gang. Noah spluttered. I was ten, and that doesn't even matter. You're changing the subject because I'm right this time. Damn, he was so annoyingly, infuriatingly right. 
I had come to realize my best friend was a lot more sensitive than I thought. Noah valued the four of us less like a group of friends, more akin to a family. Let him explain himself, I whispered. He's clearly in some kind of trance. That fast? Noah spat the tape off of his mouth, his voice more of a slur. I could still hear the effects of him being thwacked. You seriously believe someone screwed with his head within the space of five minutes? I'm not an expert on brainwashing, but that's not how it works. It takes time, moron, which means he's been playing us this whole damn time. The bastard knocked me out with a golf club, Marin. He struggled again, and this time I was out of patience, letting my intrusive thoughts win. I should have asked my own questions, but I wanted to believe that our fourth member was always with us, just like he promised at the age of ten years old when we officiated him joining us with a rainbow cupcake and playfully shoving the boy into the town lake. Noah was rightfully pissed. How could he do this to us? Frustrated, I knocked my head back into Noah's. Shut up! Impact this time was more satisfying than painful. I could practically hear the boy's drug-drunk brain bouncing around in his skull. Ow! He whisper-shrieked, twisting around. What was that for? Jumping to conclusions, I gritted out, half aware of a flashlight hitting me in the face. The beam danced across the wall in a tease, and I had to squeeze my eyes shut to avoid the scratching glare. Hey! Noah squirmed in his chair. His head fell on my shoulder, arms wriggling against mine. I know you're there. What the hell is this? Shh! I shoved him this time. I highly doubt he's been conspiring against us since the fourth grade, I hissed. It's not him, Noah. I told you he's clearly under the influence. And what if it is him? He gritted back. Easy, I said, my lips curving into a smile I didn't understand. Poison in my mouth and bubbling in my throat. This feeling was foreign and new. It felt like my mouth was being stretched together and apart. Suddenly, my bound wrists felt stronger, like I could twine my fingers around our fourth member's neck, snapping it in two. We kill him. The words were not mine, and yet slipped from my lips so effortlessly, I almost lost my breath. Words were suddenly so hard, soup on my tongue and choking my brain. Noah's sharp intake of breath jolted something inside my mind. I could sense the boy's reply in his taut muscles, goosebumps prickling up and down his bare arms, his stiffening back, but he didn't say it. Even then, Something was being pulled inside the two of us, contorting our limbs, our thoughts, and speech. I couldn't see his face, but just from the tone of his voice, I knew Noah was smiling. Right, he whispered, his voice more of a breath. We kill him. Despite his words, Noah's body was struggling to act complacent. He knew something was wrong, but I don't think he could speak. If I squinted my eyes through the blinding flashlight in my face... I could see them. Lines. Lines that were above me and below me, crisscrossing and entangling. I already knew they existed. In every instance I saw them, I was told to forget them. I was told I wasn't allowed to look at them. But not this time. We were awake. You can see them, right? Noah breathed. Yeah. 
This time, there were no voices in my head to look away and avert my gaze. No piercing eyes to tell me to forget. It was just me and Noah and the suffocating control both of us were now fully aware of. I opened my mouth to correct myself, to demand answers from the shadow looming closer to us, when my mind retracted again, detaching itself from the memory and plunging further down. I had no time to breathe, no time to anchor myself to reality, where I was kneeling on my mother's sheepskin rug, warm red pooling down my face with my imaginary friend standing over me. It was going to kill me, I thought dizzily. My words felt distant and wrong, disconnected from my body. Whatever this thing was, what Dr. Delaney had planted inside my mind was going to kill me. If I could liken this feeling to anything, it would be drowning, suffocating in oblivion, dragging me down, down, down. The memory was agony, already sending my brain into a spasm. I remember waking up, my throat filled with blood. I was lying on my back, a halo of fake hair spread around me. I opened my mouth to scream when agonizing pain ripped through me, a cutting blade just missing my face. Except I didn't have a mouth, I didn't yet have arms or legs. I just had eyes that were wide and wrong and misplaced, drinking in the world around me that felt far too big. Blinking my new eyes wide, while the start of my lips stretched wider, I could feel my throat muscles twitching, but I didn't have a voice yet. The room was made up of four concrete walls, and each one had its own pattern. The first wall was covered in old entrails, while the second and third were spattered with old and new crimson, like someone's idea of a twisted canvas. There were figures wearing pale blue masks. They talked about my body parts like me. Above me hung a monster made of metal, a humming beast that ran up and down a body I could not feel yet. I could see red string bleeding from parts of me that were not yet attached, glittering red, pretty ruby red, seeping over the edge of my bed. It was so beautiful, real and red. I felt my not mouth choking with sobs. The figures ignored me when I struggled. They left after a while and the machine stopped, slimy red string still clinging to its blade. They were part of me, all the way down my torso, and threaded through my arms and legs like artificial veins. Strings. Strings that I could feel, entangled with my flesh and bone. Every organ, even my breath, attached to my new mouth. The figures came back to play with my lips and prod up my eyes, and then left me again, lying in my own blood, my gaze flickering across ceiling tiles. When the machine started up again, I finally had a mouth to scream, forcing my tongue through the stitches cruelly holding my lips together, until a silhouette appeared looming over me. Time had passed. I wasn't sure how much time, but it was enough for me to notice bright red light bathing him in a hellish glow. Dressed in blue hospital scrubs, a mask over his face, this boy looked a little too young to be a nurse. There were things about him that stuck out to me, Familiarity bleeding into my foggy mind. I recognized his eyes already pinched with irritation. Thick sandy blonde hair that had grown out into mousy curls. When he grasped for my strings pinning me to the table, I blurted out a cry. Eris Kane pulled his mask down with one hand, slamming his palm over my mouth with the other. It's me. He manically gestured to his face. Shh, 
If you keep screaming like that, you're going to get us caught. Now fully aware, I drank all of him in. His hospital scrubs were definitely stolen, belonging to Dr. Layworth. Tucked into the pocket was a scalpel and a pair of scissors. Eris lifted his own arm, which, like mine, was bleeding strings entangled with his veins. He sliced them away easily, before untying my left wrist. The boy leaned close, shuddering breath tickling my cheeks. Do you remember senior year? He whispered, his fingers working to untangle my strings. You had a panic attack and walked out of your exam, so we sat in my car with Chipotle and did breathing exercises. Aris inhaled, coaxing me to do the same while he cut my strings and, like, severing an umbilical cord. It hurt. When they were sliced and cut into, it felt like I was being ripped apart. Aris puffed out his chest. You breathe in for four seconds, hold it for seven, and then exhale for eight seconds. I did exactly what he said forcing myself to drag in air and hold it. Wait, I said in my mind, fuzzy. Who are you? Eris's smile dampened. It's... It's complicated. When I gave him a quick nod to signal I was okay, he gently pulled me off of the table. Immediately, my legs gave way, but Eris was already wrapping his arm around my shoulder. He led me toward the exit, and I glimpsed half of a torso pinned to another table, a limp arm hanging off the edge. Everything I was seeing was unfinished. Severed parts and heads, abandoned saws stained dripping scarlet. In the eerie white glare of the emergency lights, Eris Kane's fingers were slick scarlet. His scrubs were stained, painted, like he was its canvas. Eris led us onto a white hallway, warning lights flashing in his face. There were bodies everywhere. Can you run? I managed a shaky nod. We made it halfway down the hallway before a woman appeared with a gun. Eris stumbled to a stop, and she pointed the gun between his eyes, her fingers expertly wrapped around the handheld. Look, Eris nudged me, and I followed his gaze. Strings. I could see them dangling from the woman, making her dance. She opened her mouth to speak, only for her throat to open up, sliced straight across by an invisible hand. I blinked. No, not an invisible hand. Noah Presley, who was standing behind her, his fingers wrapped around the scalpel protruding from her throat. His clothes confused me, a paper-thin hospital gown hanging off of a much thinner frame tucked into a pair of jeans. His cheeks were gaunt and malnourished, those same teasing eyes a lot more hollow than I remembered. Like Eris, Noah's reddish curls had grown out, tousled and uneven. When the woman dropped to the ground, he stepped forward a tall brunette standing by his side. May. Somehow, she was even more beautiful. Her pigtails were longer, a thick fringe glued to her forehead. May was paler than I remembered. Her skin complexion had been played with, transforming her into a more of a porcelain doll, the white hospital gown hanging off of her almost bleated with her skin. I took notice of the curve in her jawline, Brand new green eyes, instead of the steel pipe stained scarlet clutched in her fist. May caught my gaze, doing her best to hide the pipe. Noah ducked to pull the scalpel from the dead woman's throat, wiping it on his pants, and then jumped to his feet, flashing me a grin. Yo! His gaze flicked to Eris like a disapproving dad. He scowled. What the hell, dude? We leave you for five minutes and you go on a killing spree? Eris folded his arms. It was necessary he said, 
pulling us into a run. As usual, Eris led, Noah at his side. I stumbled alongside them. We reached a door and he held up the ID tag he'd stolen. Thankfully, the light flashed green. We've got to get out of here before they bring out their secret weapon. The roof is ten floors up, and I only took out the guards on this level. May swung the pipe, bringing up the rear. How many? Too many, Noah said. The three's synergy took me off guard. May acted as a guard. She walked slowly, scanning every corner for pursuers. When I stepped in front of a camera, she grabbed my shoulders gently and shoved me forwards, urging me to run. Eris tossed the ID tag to Noah, and he caught it, throwing it over his neck. Another door opened, and we slid through. Eris was already ahead, out of breath. So are you ever going to tell us about what happened in the factory? May kept to his side, throwing open a fire door. You really want to do this now? Well, yeah, if she's the only one who remembers. Noah scoffed. I think it's pretty obvious she has no idea who we are. Stop. The small voice crackling through overhead speakers brought us to a standstill, jerking back in our strings. I thought they were gone, but sure enough, there they were, bleeding from my arms and legs, holding us in place. We did stop, our bodies freezing, bobbing along on scarlet strings. The little girl's breathing was labored, her sobs pulling me left to right. I want you to stop, she gritted out, and Noah dropped to the floor. I want you to stop moving, to stop breathing, to stop, stop, stop. Her tantrum filled my skull, severing control over my body. I felt my knees hit hard marble. All of the breath sucked from my lungs. The sound of heavy footsteps flooded my ears and I was limp, my head hanging, my body more of a marionette in a stranger's arms. Speak, the girl mumbled, and my mouth opened my lips painfully coming apart to mimic her exact words. In the corner of my eye, the others were doing the same. I belong to Marin, the creator of Middleview, the girl cried and so did my mouth. I belong to Marin, the creator of Middleview. I will not try to escape again. My teeth clashed together, mimicking hers. I will not try to escape again. If I do, I will become a real doll. If I do... I will become a real doll. She paused. Look at me. I want you to look at me. My head snapped up, my gaze trained on the camera blinking down at us. You're too old, our puppeteer grumbled. I liked you at first because you are like the, my older brothers and, and sisters and bit inside my puppet show. But there's one teensy problem. I was pulled forward, my head snapping back. The middle view four always teenagers. Eris dropped to his knees. They never grow up. May was tossed to the side. They stay in Middleview and solve mysteries forever and ever and stay best friends until the end of time. She let out a giggle that chilled me to the bone. So you're not going to grow up. I'm going to make you into real puppets and you're going to stay in Middleview forever. Doesn't that sound like fun? One of us tried to escape, tried to tear from their strings. I had no idea who it was, but if I could guess by the sharp hiss next to me, it was the mayor's son. Noah was yanked back, and so were the rest of us. She screamed in frustration, her fingers tightening around our strings. Don't leave me. The little girl started to cry, and something warm hit my cheek. Rain. It ran down my brand new face, trickling into my mouth. The rain tasted like salt. 
Why do you always try to leave me? She sobbed. I don't want you to leave. Rain. Rain took me back to a car ride down a seemingly endless road. Streetlights dancing in my eyes and a starless sky. The memory was familiar by now. I was curled up watching raindrops thunder against the glass of my window when my mother stopped singing, her fingers retracting from the third passenger's hand. In flashes of consciousness, the figure in the front seat fell limp, their head hanging forward. Mom gently coaxed their shoulder against the pane. I half wondered if she had drugged them too. I slept for a while, my body heavy from the drugs turning my brain to mush. In intervals, loud noises woke me up, only for the gentle lull of the car to send me falling. Mom continued to sing to the two of us, her soft voice swaying me into slumber. The slam of a car door woke me up, my eyes flying open. I was drooling on the window, a thin line of saliva sliding down my chin. Twisting my head to the left, it was my door that had slammed shut. Mom was back in her seat, phone to her ear. Blinking rapidly through a thick layer of fog, I noticed the passenger seat was empty. I have Peter Young, Mom said, glancing at the rearview mirror. I dropped my head to pretend I was sleeping, but Mom wasn't checking on me. It took me a disorienting moment for my heavy thoughts to untangle. There was something pressed against me, a heavy weight lying over my legs. The third passenger was a guy. In the corner of my eye, the figure was twisted like a pretzel their head uncomfortably pressed against the right window while I took the left. Yes, he's still attached, Mom said, but my gaze found slimy strings still clinging to him, wrapped around his arms and legs. With him so close, I could almost pretend he was still human. But then I saw the back of his head, a shallow mess of strings bound around his spine and something acidic slithered up my throat. I turned away from him. I didn't want to know who it was, whoever it was. They were no longer who I remembered them as. I felt sick, my stomach twisting. The hollowed out shell of one of the middle view four was lying lifeless over my legs, and I couldn't move to squirm away from them. Mom sighed. I just want your promise that my daughter will stay out of whatever game you're playing. Her tone hardened. I cut him down earlier. Yes, Marin figured it out. Mom snorted out a laugh. How am I supposed to track her movements? She's 23. Mom was seemingly cut off, letting out a frustrated hiss. No, I, I told you my daughter is no longer a part of it. If I have to, I will move her across the country. Her fingers tightened around the wheel. Yes, I'm serious. I have Peter Young. Take him or leave him. Mom swerved right, avoiding an oncoming truck, its headlights searing my eyes. Mm, well, that's your problem. No, I'm, I'm not negotiating. If you want Peter, I'm about 10 minutes away. I gave him enough R95 so he's not going to be any trouble. Yes, I can confirm he's just a doll. I don't think he's fully conscious. Mom was cut off again, her fingers growing white around the wheel. Delaney wants inside her head. He's in charge of finding the missing kid, and Marin will be the first person on his list. Block my number after this meeting. When she ended the call... Mom slammed her fists into the wheel and the third passenger jolted, their legs stretching out. It was a lot more human than I'd realized. I didn't think puppets had leg cramps. I don't know how much time passed before I roused again. This time the car had stopped, 
Rain was slamming against the window, but this time I could feel it soaking my hair and cheek. I was curled into the seat, my head pressed into rich smelling leather. The car door was open, an icy breeze lashing against my cheeks and blowing my hair back. Mom was leaning over me, wrapping her arms around the third passenger scooping the shell of a boy into her embrace. Cold. The soft croak dragged me out of slumber. I knew who it was, but I couldn't move. His voice was a hollowed out cry. I couldn't call it human, his mouth jerking left to right, still on strings. Why am I cold? Mom didn't react, squeezing the boy to her chest. I'm so cold. His voice whipped around in the wind, but I still heard it loud and clear, a human cry clinging onto long, dead flesh. Kill me. She turned and strode directly into the downpour, the lifeless shell of my best friend hanging limp in her arms. Everything that had been him, illuminated and passing headlights whizzing past us, there was something wet in my lap. Strings. I held them up, dangling them between my fingers. My body was moving before I consciously knew what I was doing. Slipping out of the car, I fell directly onto my knees. I was still made of lead, my limbs heavy. I could see Mom's figure through half-lidded eyes, lashes of rain gluing my hair to my face. She came to an abrupt stop suddenly, as if someone was pulling her strings followed by the crack of a gunshot piercing the night. I remembered blindly crawling until my hands were damp, palms pressed into warm scarlet seeping across the road. Mom's eyes found me in the dark, wide and slightly manic. She had already wiped her hands on the front of her shirt, red smears decorating the seam. Her mouth formed a smile, and I was already stumbling back. See, Marin? Mom's voice rattled in my skull. She started forwards, wrapping her around me. Everything is going to be okay, she hummed. I got rid of the bad people. You're safe now. Back in the present, I was choking up bloody strings, my imaginary version of the mayor's son still hovering over me. It took me a moment to anchor myself, grabbing toilet paper and pressing it to my nose and mouth. Wow. Noah was back, less shadowy and more himself. He inclined his head, a swath of reddish curls slipping over his eyes. You don't look so good. What I knew for sure was Dr. Delaney was after the memory of the car ride, and I had no doubt he would be pursuing me again. There was no point in telling Noah. He was my subconscious. He'd seen it too. The mayor's son had seen everything, from our attempted escape to the car ride revealing the identity of the puppet cut from their strings. Still, though, I couldn't get it out of my head that something was off about them. So I asked him again, applying pressure to my nose. Why do you keep getting older? Noah's lips curled into a smirk. He folded his arms. You're a member of the Middle View Four, he teased. You've brought down first-grade milk thieves, druggy janitors, and evil teacher cults who brought the world crashing down. When it caught his eye, he pressed a finger to his lips. That's a spoiler, Noah chuckled. Anyway, you've been solving mysteries since we were little kids and you still haven't figured it out yet? Before I could open my mouth, he continued, bouncing on his heels. He was enjoying this. You still can't solve the mystery of who we are. I felt something comfortable again, reveling in the warm light around my mother's lamp. 
comfortable enough to hit him in the chest, which felt real. Noah settled me with a pitiful smile. You just technically hit yourself. I ignored him. You say it like it's easy. It is easy, he rolled his eyes. You're not much of a detective, are you? You sound pissed. I am pissed. You call yourself a detective and yet you ignore clues literally right in front of you. It's screaming at you right in the face and you turn your head and pretend to be oblivious. Noah's eyes drank me in, enveloped in darkness I was yet to know and understand. Are you scared? Noah stepped closer. Is that why you're choosing to be ignorant? Things are falling into place, but something tells me you don't want them to fall into place. For the first time in your life, you would rather the mystery of yourself and us remain unsolved. You killed those townspeople, I said. Why? I don't know, Marin. I'm not real. I tried again. Who is Peter Young? How am I supposed to know? It's your memory. Harsh. Eris was leaning against the door, his arms folded. These guys had a habit of appearing out of nowhere, bleeding into my line of vision. Eris blew hair out of his eyes. Can't you go a little easier on her? You're acting like memory diving and casually hallucinating your dead friends who don't make any sense is an everyday thing. It's the truth. She's scared. Leave her alone, May mumbled from her place on the floor. She was sorting through the avalanche of papers knocked onto the carpet. She looked up, shooting them both death glares. She has a lot of crap to process, idiots. Noah blew a raspberry. Uh, yeah, such as the ever-growing question of who we are. There's one in particular that's driving her mad, but she's ignoring it. He was taking the words right out of my mouth. Noah Presley was fluctuating the more I got to know the memories of him his eyes growing increasingly more void. Ever since the broken jigsaw pieces in my head started to fit together, I'd been growing more anxious of my own identity and who the four of us really were. They were dead, puppets on strings in a stage play. Over the last few days, more and more details were sliding into place, puzzle pieces I wish wouldn't fit, closer to the truth, closer to the identity of the boy in my mother's car who she saved closer to the questions behind them, being dead at 15, and yet I had seen them a lot older, covered in blood and armed with scissors. My imaginary friends couldn't decide on what age they were. There! Noah's voice surprised me. He was watching me, head cocked to the side. The mayor's son was thinking ahead as usual. He was already joining the dots. He leaned forward and blew in my face, that infuriating smile growing. That's what's driving you mad, Marin. And it's scaring you too, because realistically, how possible is it for three 15-year-olds to be killed, turned into mindless dolls, and then appear in your memories grown up? Noah followed my gaze. Oh, you have questions. But you don't want to ask them. The boy jutted his chin. You know what I'm talking about, right? I did. Eris. Inside the room drenched in red, he'd said something that stuck inside my head. May held up a crumpled piece of paper. It was the list of subjects. Zip it, Presley. Do you want to screw with her head even more? She jumped to her feet. So we're all agreeing that these are the kids responsible for all of this. Eris nodded slowly. Makes sense. These little brats wanted dolls and we were all they had. 
May perched herself on Mom's desk. Okay, so we start there, she nodded to me. The girl in your memory, May inclined her head. What did she do? Noah folded his arms when I choked on my response. See, she doesn't want to talk about the elephant in the room. Elephant? May frowned. I knew what he was talking about, but getting to that can of worms could wait. I've got this, Eris announced standing over me. It's just a matter of asking her questions that ignite memories. I read about it in a book. The boy turned back to me, cracking his knuckles. His smile was reassuring, but Eris Kane was just my subconscious, and my subconscious was demanding answers. Okay, so tell me about what we did in our last semester of high school. Noah's head snapped up. Seriously? Seriously? Eris ignored his glare. We want to know who we are, right? The mayor's son looked comfortable leaning his head against the wall. Well, yeah. He did the scrunchy nose thing he did when he was trying to be pedantic. But isn't that too pushy? Says the guy who was grilling her to take another deep dive. May chuckled, flicking through one of mom's books. Eris sighed. Like I said, I've got this. He twisted to me like I was his test subject. Senior year, what did we do? I had to swallow sour paste. Is that a trick question? Nope. I was aware of May and Noah's gazes burning into my back. Nothing, I said, my gut twisting into knots. Mom took me away the summer before sophomore year. You died and they brought you back as those things. Thinking back, I was hounded by the memory of being paralyzed in my mom's car. Bloody strings slipping through my fingers. A heavy weight across my legs. Eris held my gaze, his expression crumpling. It looked like he might say something before he snorted, dancing back. Jeez, when you put it like that, it sounds super depressing. Yes, but she's not answering your question. Noah was suddenly directly in front of me. In overexposed light, his hair resembled fire licking across his forehead. Yeah, yeah, we were brought back and turned into dolls. We've been through all of that a thousand times. He held up his index. But you're missing one vital detail. You, I said. What you did the night we searched the string factory. Noah's lips pricked. He raised a brow, lowering his voice. Oh, now you're blaming me? You really don't want to talk about the elephant, huh? Stepping back, he winked at me. Suit yourself. You remembered most of the car ride, so you just need to think and stop dwelling on the past, right? In the corner of my eye, a shadow hung from the ceiling. Blood seeped across the floor, pooling on my mom's desk. Eris let out a sharp hiss, May squeaking, lifting her feet up on the desk. Tipping his head back, Noah blinked through sharp red dripping onto his face trickling down his cheek, just like when we found May. When the light caught his face, bringing his eyes to life, he was wearing his crown again. This crown was different from what I remembered, when he was gutted by the cult of kids. Noah's corpse wore a crown of entwined daisies as a way of declaring him no longer an omen. This one was made of blood-stained roses, a crown of glass and thorns. The boy whipped it off his head with a scowl, straightening up. That's what I mean by dwelling on the past. Nice crown, Harris chuckled. Meanwhile, I was turned into Hamburger Helper. It's all yours. Noah threw it at the boy who caught it, placing it on his head. No offense, but I would rather be dragged through a meat grinder than be the so-called king of a cult run by our 
psychotic superfan. You're just saying that. No, I'm serious. I would rather be torn apart than be a midsummer knockoff. I was dragged through spinning blades. You got impaled by a tree branch. Turning my attention away from their argument, I noticed the panel on the hidden door had changed. May appeared next to me with a smile. A keypad. She poked it. What are the chances of the code being 1234? Eris joined us, examining the keypad for himself. Huh. This thing seems to be both manual and biometric. If we go in there, there's a chance of it automatically locking us in. He shot me a grin. We did get locked inside the freezer in Lady Croft's mansion when we stupidly thought it was a good hiding place. But it's worth a try, right? Noah threw a screwed up piece of paper at him. There's a 100% chance that door is armed. Also, we got hypothermia and almost died, genius. Eris tipped his head back. So what do you propose we do? You heard Marin's mom. Delaney is coming back for her. Yeah, that was at the back of my mind. I'm still scared he's going to come back. Noah grinned. We meditate. What? Relax. I read about it in a book. He mocked Eris's accent. Eris threw a book at him and he easily dodged it. Noah situated himself in front of me, pressing his fingers to my temples, his eyes flickering shut. Just relax, okay? We can try going through your memories at your own pace and not whatever the hell Delaney did to you. That's your idea of meditating? May raised a brow. Noah cracked one eye open. It's all I got. His touch was familiar, strong enough to pull me back. Back to being tied. Back to back with Noah. Inside a ticking time bomb. The case that twisted both boys out of shape and brought our painful reality crashing down on us. What I am guessing led Noah to become the infamous Middleview Strings murderer. Something I really do not want to see. I'm terrified of seeing who he really is. Case 11. The disappearance and subsequent brainwashing of Eris Kane. However, before I allowed myself to plunge, the question that had been haunting my mind finally slammed into me. Eris? The boy inclined his head. Yeah. I was already speaking before I could help it, my tongue tangling. You've been inside my memories asking me the same question. What happened in the strings factory? You guys keep asking me the same questions, creeping into my head to try and get answers. But you want answers of your own that have nothing to do with my subconscious. You asked me about senior year, but we never had one. You told me I had a panic attack during my exam, but you died at 15 years old. Eris rolled his eyes. Thank you for once again reminding me of my ultimate demise. Noah groaned, tipping his head back. Let her talk. No, I said. Well, yes, you're dead. I saw you carved into a child's puppet. Thanks. I swallowed. It felt like the penultimate part of the mystery when I was piecing things together. Noah was usually the one who said the speech, joining all the dots and ripping off the metaphorical mask. I could sense the boy watching me closely, mouth curled. I swore every time I looked away from the mayor's son, his eyes were growing darker, more hollow, like he was waiting for something. But you remember a senior year when I had that panic attack. You remember being 17 years old. Which means... May slowly got to her feet, her eyes widening. We know what it means. It's obvious. What we need to figure out is how it's possible. Leaning against the wall, Noah wasn't smiling. 
I could almost mistake his expression for pain. Somehow, our fourth member grew up. That's it for this part. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you're on YouTube, consider liking the video. Uh, if you're anywhere else, I don't know what your options are, but I appreciate you listening and I do hope you'll reach out. Let me know your thoughts on this episode and as uh, on the theories, on the theories, on the series so far. I really appreciate you being around here. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to support the channel, uh, you can do that by liking or subscribing or commenting, you know, whatever. Uh, or if you'd like to do more than that, there is a Patreon where you get uh, early access to things. And uh, there is a bit of a podcast on there, a bit of another series that has been slowly going on because it's like a hundred parts, but it's, it's there. There is a Discord too that you can join and come hang out with us if you'd like. Now, with all that said, I think that's about it. So I hope you enjoy your day and we will see you in the next one.